Hey everyone, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I am professional wrestling history enthusiast Timothy Styles, and with me, my co-host, professional wrestler and Las Vegas based trainer, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. It's me. It's me. It's CTC. Blah blah blah. Plugs plugs plugs. Let's fucking boogie. tell i'm tired of saying the same shit every week well i sometimes follow our instagram i fucking hate instagram don't and i'll tell you what don't follow our instagram if you're hearing this why why would you not want them to follow the instagram because it's dumb not my instagram in particular <laughs> just the entire concept just scrolling <laughs> over fucking pictures all day i i can be honest with you i would prefer instagram over twitter I definitely prefer Instagram over Twitter. I like that one just as much. It offers as much uh, nutrition as Instagram. Honestly, I I don't need either in my life, but I, you know, I, I do little minor upkeep to, to keep them going. (laughs) Well, we appreciate your hard work. (laughs) Whatever. Hey, I wanted to start the show this week um, by doing a little role playing. Uh Oh, are you down for this? Uh, my, my fiance is sitting on the couch right now. I don't know how she'll feel about me role-playing with somebody Get on your a 20... camera in my <laughs> living room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. We're going to do that kind of role-playing. I'm going to be the, uh, uh, you're going to be the, uh, the uh, uh, slave owner's daughter, and I'm going to be the runaway slave. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is already starting off really bad. No, here's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to pretend that you're Cutthroat Cody, a trainer from uh, Las Vegas who trains at FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling. And we're going to pretend I have, have come into the building and I come up to you and I say, and by the way, just to give some context to the listeners, I'm a six foot two, 250 pound guy. I could play both quarterback and probably wide receiver. Okay. Um, but 43, not exactly prime wrestler age, if you get my drift. Yes. So I come up to you and I say, hello, I'm interested in becoming a professional wrestling manager. And you look me up and down and, uh, and I, oh, I, I say, oh, I can cut promos and I can do this, that, or the other, whatever. I can fucking sell like, uh, you know, hell on fire, you know, flail the arms, kick the legs all that stuff. I can beg off Excellent. whatever you want. Um, what do you have to say? I would say, well, let's go ahead and try on. I would give you a training session for free. You know, I would basically just get in the ring just that way. You'd have the experience of moving around in the ring. <clears throat> and then at that point, I would ask you to cut a promo. Uh-huh. And then can I quickly ask? Of course. Let's do this part before we carry on. You say. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm coughing today. That's all right. Let's say you, how are you asked to cut a promo? How would I ask you to cut a promo? You wouldn't just say, cut me a promo then. No, I I would give you a topic. I'd be like, okay, well, you know, there is a upcoming match between your client, Nick Xander, against the King, Marcus Anderson. And Marcus Anderson is an oversized baby face and Nick Xander is a swarmy little shit. Right. Despite that not being the truth. He's actually a really nice dude. Uh, and I would say go. And I would, I would say try to make sure that it's uh, wrapped up and done within a minute and 30 seconds. Ooh, a minute and 30 seconds. Okay. And I, just, I, I would stop watching. Okay. I was just wondering, because like you hear all these tales of like, all right, cut me a promo. Like, okay. About what, you know, yeah. uh, or you hear the, the equally stupid, like, uh, sell me this pen, <sighs> please. You corporate asshole sell you this pen. Fuck you and your pen. They won't be able to see this, but I have a massage gun. I, I can sell it right now. It's pretty helpful when you need to massage yourself. 
with a gun. That's not a very good promo, in my opinion. It's not opinion. at all. No, but I understand. By the way, if anyone, saying. yeah, if anyone ever gave me a pencil and said, "Tell me this pencil," I'd snap it in two and put it in my pocket and be absolutely quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's. <laughs> It's it. I would definitely uh, give you a scenario, man. Like I would like, this is what's happening. This is who your client is, you right. know? <clears throat> and well, no, I love the details that you gave me. You, you yes. remember like when we've talked about in the past cutting promos and how bulletin points and pretty much in about 10 seconds of, of thinking is all you need. And even right. then uh, it, it appears that most professional wrestlers, they, they, either don't have the time beforehand to think or they all rely on the exact same cl- cliches. Let me tell you <clears throat> something. Or a lot of uh, promos where people are introducing themselves. They say, allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> they say a lot of the yeah. similar and things. I, you know? I, I've unfortunately, I, I I've used the, I've used the introduce myself before. That's a bad habit. And yeah. not only did you, have you used it before, uh, I used it recently. Yeah. So, uh, earlier today I saw a, uh, a promo for Gregory Sharp, who I like a lot. And he said it in there, allow me to introduce myself. And then I scrolled a little bit, uh, a few more posts down the Twitter timeline. And I saw you cutting a promo, uh, for, uh, a tag team match coming out. And you said, allow me to introduce myself. I went, I think yes. I just entered the matrix. <laughs> yes. It, it's a hat on a hat, you know. It's Inception, not a hat on a uh, hat. Dream within a dream. I'm joking. <laughs> it's not a hat on a hat. It, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Right. But I, it's one of those things it's hard because when you're doing an inter, an introductory promo, right? it's a lot different when you're cutting a promo. Uh, like if I were to cut a promo on RMB, uh, with Jacob Austin Young, I'm not going to introduce myself because they already know who I am, mm-hmm. right? We've already had business with each other and things of that nature, but you are correct. There's a lot of like go-to sayings uh, and you want to know something else, like things like yeah. that. <clears throat> it's hard sometimes, oh, but I'm trying to think of all the cliches. You know, that's <clears throat> brother. Um, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Allow me to introduce myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. There's there, so many. There, there, there's a there, there's a few of them, but that's yeah. important. And promos, you, I think the thing that would make the best manager is speaking. You have to be able to speak, and you have to be able to go through ranges of emotion while you were speaking, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to have a vast vocabulary. You have to be able to think quick on your feet. And given the situation, you would have to be able to be scripted, right. you know, because that's the thing is if you got to read lines, you have to regurgitate what's being put in front of you. Like it's not vomit. Sorry. I was like, out oh, well, the, this has got stuff I- down my throat. I've just tuned out the last 15 seconds of what you said. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Right. Scripted promos. Yeah, but you right, but you would have to prepare for that, man, because if you get on a higher level, as we know, they're they have writers and you would have to be able to not only read but recite. What if I had no interest in working the script? What if I had no interest in working for uh, the kind of place that would give me scripted promos? Then you are a free bird. Yeah, that's the way I like it, mister. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. This great city of Las Vegas, Action City. Get ready for the debut of the World Wrestling Federation out of the campus of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Max Center. Saturday night, March the 21st, the World Wrestling Federation is going to be right here in town in this great state of Nevada. And I personally am looking forward to getting back and spending time with, with the many great fans that we have here in the Las Vegas area. 7.30 p.m. start, by the way, on the 21st. Jake the Snake Roberts will be going against Ugandan headhunter, 
come out of that match to start sharply at 7.30 p.m. Bobby Heenan, with all that's happening in regard to WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome back in Pontiac, Michigan, now all of a sudden you have demanded, you haven't insisted of promoters a non-title bout for Hulk Hogan against <laughs> your man, Hercules. What do you got up your sleeve? Now? Oh, I've got a lot up my sleeve. You see, I'm saving you, Hogan. You take a cat and you put a parakeet in there with them, and all the parakeet does all day long is try to survive. And the cat knocks all the feathers off the bird. And then that little, little, little yellow bird stands there and shivers and freezes. See, Hogan, you're that yellow bird. Andre the Giant is that big cat. And all these other feathers are the, thing I'm, the things I'm planning. I wonder if See, we can right talk here. wrestling here instead of canaries. Sure, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but don't talk to me about it. Mr. Hogan, it's a non-title match. That's the way I want it, because I don't want that title to slip to anybody else but Andre the Giant on the 29th of March in WrestleMania 3. But here, Saturday night, March 21st in Las Vegas, the town that I made famous. See these? I am old blue eyes. That's what they call me here in town. So it's a non-title match. You can have Sinatra, Tom Jones, you can have anybody you want. The Misfits, I don't care. Because Hogan, you are going to be hurt. And you're going to be hurt real bad. Maybe not real bad, but bad enough so when you get in the ring with Andre the Giant, it's all over. See, Hercules is the most powerful athlete probably in the world today, next to Andre the Giant. And right here, Las Vegas Strip, the desert, Hoover Dam, everything you said is Hulkamania, is great. Say what you want. Talk is cheap, big mouth. You gotta get in that ring and prove it. Remember, non-title. I don't want you to lose that title one bit. But I want everybody, everybody right here in Vegas to see your carcass carted out of that building. You are going to be hurt. And I'm going to roll them bones and pull them one-armed bandits and make a bet. All right, I thank you very much, Bobby. And then Heenan. I'm going out to the ranch and see some friends of mine. Well, I want to say a special hello to my very dear, close, personal friend, Angie, at Caesars Palace. I look forward to seeing you at the Max Center for the debut of the World Wrestling. I don't know the number. i got to get a hold of her somehow. Bobby Heenan, yes, Hercules to meet Hulk Hogan, non-title matchup at the debut of the World Wrestling Federation. It's one you won't want to miss. Get your tickets in advance. I got the number. You have, you have the number? Just a second. Wait, hold on. So you asked him to cut a promo. He cuts you a promo. What else? <clears throat> I would then let him know that despite, you know, not actively training to be a professional wrestler, they would still have to learn how to bump. Mm -hmm. They would still have to learn how to roll. They would still have to learn how to do specific spots. You keep saying um, they. We're talking about me. We're talking about me specifically. Uh, you. This is the you. fantasy you scenario. Would... A six foot two, 250 yes. pound dude. Who's forty three? Who can cut promos? Yep. Supposedly. Let's uh, let's let's get you in the ring. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get you rolling. Let's teach you how to take a bump, and then after that, uh, encourage you to come back and continue on with doing some light physical in ring activity. And eventually, I would see where your investment was, and then after that, it would be teaching you spots. Uh, specific spots that managers can do to keep a referee uh, <clears throat> basically held up while something bad is happening behind their back. Right. Um, how to pop up on the apron at the right time in the right moment in order to distract and or be hit off the ring apron. Uh, I would make sure that you knew the vernacular you would have to learn the vocabulary that we use in wrestling because sometimes you can shortstop between a referee and sometimes you can shortstop between a manager i would teach you how to communicate the next thing just in case you had to tell somebody where to go right <clears throat> and i think that that is the mark of what makes managers great you know like you're not just out there to talk, you know, like you are in involved. the picture heavily, mm -hmm. heavily involved, you know, despite the fact you were not in the ring, you were still heavily involved. Uh, for those that don't know that are listening uh, at future stars of wrestling in Las Vegas, we have a gentleman by the name of Primo Pulpo <clears throat> and the Latin Kraken. The Latin crack and and he is just 
always coming up with these amazing ideas on how to get involved in wrestling matches to the point to where there was a match where the Lucha spot where the one guy grabs the other guy's hand and then walks the rope almost like the undertaker to then come off with a hurricane Rana Primo had a mirror and actually used the light from the ceiling in order to shine it in the baby face's face to lead to the cutoff. (laughs) And it was fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Did it lead to the audience? It it absolutely did. It absolutely did. It was very visible what happened because you've been in our arena. It's a pretty dark room. Right. So it it did read and it was brilliant. And he comes up with ideas like that frequently. And he is valued and appreciated because he understands his craft. Um, I, I would recommend that you would watch some great handoff spots in Memphis. You know, some of the Memphis managers had brilliant handoff spots where behind the referee's back, they would throw a chain to Lawler and then Lawler would use it to punch out the person or Eddie Gilbert, like some really brilliant pass off spots that you don't see anymore. The extremely like intricate spots. And those are, those spots can be taught to a manager. Right. Well, you know, I find it interesting that I guess we're both like raspy today. (laughs) I can clear my voice too. I think it's the weather. Yeah. Interesting Vegas weather uh, this week, (laughs) but another rainstorm. I find it interesting that uh, it never occurred to you to address my uh, uh, stature. Um, well, that's it. That's the end of the sentence. I find I find it interesting that you never uh, address my stature. Like, oh, you're six two, though. Well, that's the thing, though, is that <clears throat> there's a lot of statures that come in to the school, mm-hmm. and if anybody wants to participate, <clears throat> they they should be given the opportunity to participate. And with your stature, it would then become a how can I utilize him mm-hmm. to his fullest? Do I pair him with a, another group of monsters um, if he can be serious or does he have a little bit more comedy to him? Can I pair him with smaller guys right. kind of as a gag, <clears throat> you know, like to the point to where if um, Diesel, when Diesel was working outside the ring for Shawn Michaels, there was a spot that the babyface would catapult Shawn Michaels out of the ring and Diesel would catch him. Right. And then set him back on the ring apron. <clears throat> so, like, as far as <clears throat> shapes, sizes, you know, they're all different. So, if if it's the role that you want, it, how do you find a way to make them fit in that role? That's something I believe that you can do. I believe that you can take anybody and find a way to incorporate them as long as that they are willing to <clears throat> hone their skills and like really take the craft seriously. Right. Well, here's an interesting question, but how often does this happen where someone comes in and says, I want to be a manager? A lot. Yeah. And it never really works out that well. Now, why is that? Because they don't know how to talk. Oh, really? They, well, what do they think they were doing there? That's got to be the one thing. Like, honestly, I know I'm six, two. I know I'm a big dude. Yeah. Uh, And I know that, well, historically, managers have been well under six feet. So it would not be in my best interest to even bother. Um, uh, But I'm so good at speaking, believe it or not, not according to this show. (laughs) What a silver tongue you have, (laughs) sir. I can make some motherfuckers mad. That I can uh, assure you that. But, uh, uh, it blows me away that people come in going, I want to be a manager. And then you get to the part where you say, cut me a promo. All right. You're going to be Nick Sanders guy. And uh, you're going up against King uh, uh, Marcus Anderson. Well, that was his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. One, two, three, go. And they go. Uh. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's one of those things that unfortunately 
uh, and we're not naming names here, right? But mm-hmm. there's been an an abundant amount of people that have come in and once they realize that they can't hack the wrestling part, then they think, oh, well, I can be a manager. Oh, but then that turns into a whole entire other thing because these people are unfortunately void of personality as it stands. Mm. And it makes things very difficult. Right. And then it turns into a, it's still a thing, man. Like, and I wish that I could get this through referees heads too, is that, you know, there's ref spots too, you know, and there's things to learn physically as a referee, right. specific slides, learning how to jump over somebody for an extra dramatic pinfall, um, facial expressions, timing cues, mm-hmm. like, you know, in managers, should be involved in all these things as well. And that's another thing that I think is brilliant about Primo Pulpo. Primo Pulpo actually started off with Sin Bodhi when Sin Bodhi was running a different school and eventually his school merged with our school. Mm-hmm. And Primo Pulpo trained in ring knowing he was going to be a manager, right. but trained as a wrestler. And it was I think the same. It's the be- I mean, there's a lot. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're okay. There's a lot of shit that needs to be learned in the world of wrestling. And if you want to become a manager, I mean, without <clears throat> uh, learning how to carry bags and coordinate uh, people's meals and book their uh, flight and, and travel and room and all this sort of stuff, you re- more than uh you don't need to replicate that stuff but you do need to know how things function in the ring and the best way to learn that is to get in there and do it it's the manager role was something that in the the good old days of pro wrestling mm-hmm. was something that was actually given to people that may have been wrestlers prior bobby heenan mm-hmm. percy pringle you know captain lou albano was Percy uh, Pringle an actual wrestler? Percy Pringle did wrestle. I didn't know that. Yes, he did. <laughs> and there's more. The, the, there's a larger list than that. And it was something that well, once they got into the, the twilight. The, the years, list is most uh, managers were former wrestlers. <laughs> yes. And so they already have a firm grasp and concept of how to structure a match, mm-hmm. where to fit their stuff into. And they have a broad understanding of the industry. That's why Jim Cornette wasn't just a manager. He could also agent, right? Jim Cornette can put together a match like front to back. Right. And he has had a few matches. Not even a few. Been, He's actually had a lot. Right. Right. And that's, but that's the thing is, is that he, on paper, mm-hmm. his skill set is that of somebody that is not involved, yet he's, he was heavily involved. Right. And it's something that I really want people to take in consideration. This Wednesday, July 22nd, promoter Jack Tunney presents another sensational card at the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, all the action getting underway there at 8 p.m. You'll be seeing Leaping Lanny Papo going against Jose Estrada. Brady Boone will go against Barry Horowitz. Tag action has the magnificent Morocco along with Cowboy Ace Orton taking on Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Nikolai Volkov, the big Russian, goes against Tito Santana. Topping it off, handsome Harley Race will face Randy Macho Man Savage. Also, this coming Thursday, July 23rd, spectacular card also takes place in the Peterborough Memorial Center. You'll be seeing Steve Lombardi there going against the Dingo Warrior. The Wild Samoan Sika goes against Brad Ringens. Tag action is Sam Houston along with S.D. Jones facing the shadows. The Ugandan headhunter Kamala will go up against King Kong Bundy. Tag team titles are on the line. The Hart Foundation, the world champions, risk their titles against the British Bulldogs. And topping it off, the Honky Tonk Man will go against the JYD. Bobby the Brain Heenan, come on in if you will. Next week's going to be a very busy week for you. Well, I've been Wednesday up- and Thursday. I've been jobbed again by the president, Jack Tunney. He's done it again. When I negotiated for this match, the King Harley Race, this Wednesday night, against Randy Macho Man Savage, 
I was under the impression this match was going to Madison Square Garden because like every, everybody that I know was bidding for this match. They That's were bidding right. for it at the Garden. They were talking about it. The L.A. Forum, every place was bidding for this match. But he put it in Kitchener on a Wednesday. Wednesday, this Wednesday in Kitchener, he's got that kind of a match there. Race against Savage. Well, you see, we're going to step all over you, Mr. Macho Man Savage, because I know the winner of this match is going to be really considered for a shot at the World Championship held by Hulk Hogan. So you bring Miss Elizabeth, a pretty lady like that, I don't know what she's doing with a piece of dog meat like you, but that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be yesterday's news. Then the next day, Thursday, in Peterborough, Kamala against Bundy. Who's going to be able to control that match? No one I know. Fuji, Kimchi, Kamala, the, uh, King Kong Bundy. There's over a ton of human being in that ring. But no, is one man going to control? But see, I see what Jack Tunney's doing. He wants to get rid of Bundy, and he wants to get rid of Kamala. So he figures one man at 440, one man over 500 pounds, they'll pretty well destroy each other. Mr. Kamala, you're going to be back in Uganda chucking spears, or you're going to be hitting that dinner bell again. I don't know what you're going to do. But you're not going to walk over King Kong Bundy, because King Kong Bundy is a member of the Bobby Heenan family. He's made a reputation in the world of professional wrestling. And if you think you're just going to come in there and intimidate him and throw him around, uh-uh. Okay, Mr. Tiny, that's the way you want it. This Wednesday, race against Savage, which should be in Madison Square Garden, but fine. You want to hear in Kitchener this Wednesday? Fine, we'll accommodate you. Savage, you'll never leave Kitchener. Then we're just going to go right on, keep going through Ontario here, and see Mr. Kamala. <clears throat> and Mr. Kamala, you better know where there's a fast food restaurant in Uganda, and you better take kimchi with you and Mr. Fuji, because that's where you're going to be hanging out from now on. And you better get that ring reinforced. You better get somebody in there that can control Bundy and Kamala, because I don't want my property, my man, my investment hurt. It's going to be a busy Wednesday and Thursday. You show up too, Mr. Tunney, and you've disappointed a lot of people in New York City. That's this Wednesday in the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, and this coming Thursday at the Peterborough Memorial Center. We'll see you then. I remember the very first time that I wrestled Clutch uh, from Future Stars of Wrestling was in Arizona for a uh, FSW equivalent of Arizona when they were running out there. Mm -hmm. And he had a manager. And I'm going to use quotation rabbit ears because it really wasn't a manager. It was his friend. And his friend loved wrestling. And wanted to be involved in the business. Right. So <clears throat> me not knowing him and me just assuming, well, if somebody is being utilized in this role, you would assume that they would understand their role and their place. And I gave him very specific instruction. <clears throat> and I said, okay, well, after I blow my comeback, I'm going to rally up in the corner. And as I go to charge at clutch, I want you to swipe my foot. Clutch will be drawing the referee away from you, so you're not going to be seen. I'll turn around and jaw jack at you. Clutch then runs in from behind and gives me a body avalanche, and then I feed out for his finish. One, two, three, go home. Mm. And he looked at me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And just nodded his head along with yeah. everything. By and the way, I understood every word that you said, but I can under I could see with j just the nomenclature that you use how the average person would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is this guy talking about? Yeah, and so <laughs> sure as shit, I blow my comeback. I go to rally in the corner. Did you have to yell my at him? foot? <clears throat> <laughs> yes, I did. Get over here and, and hold my ankle. <clears throat> and I like do like I. I it was the very first time mm -hmm. that I had ever like chewed somebody out. Who'd you and chew out? I chewed him out. Oh, that's and unfortunate. After, it shouldn't well, it be Clutch's fault since he brought well, his, his well, friend who wasn't in I, the biz. I, I, I talked to both of them. Yeah. Like, and, and I brought him outside and I'm like, okay, man, like, do you know what a comeback is? And just deer in headlights. Right. Right. But also taking consideration is that there's a lot of people that say that they really love wrestling. Sure. Like, oh, I know everything about wrestling. And these people, they actually don't 
know anything about wrestling other than what they have seen on television. Sure. Of course. And just because you see it on TV does not necessarily mean that you're going to be able to replicate it in its intricacies. Well, you know, you cussed these two out. I got to tell you, I might be in there. I did it. I I did it professionally. I didn't, I I, I didn't motherfuck them, but I'm just like, you know, like if you're going to be in this industry, you got to learn what the industry is. That's what I told them. Right. Fair enough. But I mean, like uh, when the WWE has bad bunny and Ronda Rousey and all these sorts of cats who have no concept of any of this shit, they don't do any marquee stuff. They just watch it and go, yeah, great. You know, fucking the Miz is awesome. Um, you know, they have to fucking choreograph their shit from top to bottom. You're going to stand here and here is what's going to happen. No inside lingo. They just tell them, here's what's going on. So yep. maybe that, maybe that was a mistake on your part, but whatever. Right. Well, and whether it's a mistake on my part or if it's somebody that also, I'm also the type of person that if you, if, if you're putting a match together with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you say something that I don't understand, right. If I don't understand, I'm like, what is that? Right. Oh, that, cause that's common sense. Right. Like if you don't understand something, mm-hmm. you have to say, I don't understand that. And there's different, uh, vocabulary for different things. For instance, I believe in some parts of the world, they call a drop down a crossover. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I know that there's some places where instead of a leapfrog, it's just called a vertical. Right. You know, and in most Lucha Libre, anytime you take an arm drag, they just say suplex. And that's something that you have to know, like the ins and the outs. And if, I think the very first time I ran across crossover was after Remy Marcel had had a match with Eli Drake, who is now LA Knight and NXT. And he's the million dollar champion last time I checked, whatever that's worth. And Remy was very confused. And he was like, yeah, he, he just called a drop down a crossover. And that just goes to tell you, like he had to ask like, what's that? Right. Like, you know that and then like <laughs> he has to like physically describe it and that's something that you know that's common sense right if you don't understand something that is like impartial to performing a task well i imagine that this kid uh I, who knows what he's doing now do you um he that was the last time that he ever did anything in the professional wrestling industry. Oh, well, you took it right out of him. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely did, actually. Well, I and mean, that's not a, a reasonable way to react, I suppose, <clears throat> to just completely quit altogether. You know, um, I was going to say, perhaps he would have, that would have been the last time he made that mistake. And that's what I, would, that's what I hoped for, right. you know. And unfortunately, I think that his friendship with Clutch actually even soured after that. Mm. You know, like I'm not always just motherfucking people, but if somebody, if somebody makes a mistake, you have to hold them accountable for their actions. You have to address what happened and then you have to give them a solution moving forward in order to correct it, which I did. Mm. I told them, I'm like, these are things that you need to know. So even though you're not physically doing anything, show up to training, you know, show up. And learn, you know, that I think the, one of the coolest things about this industry is that there is a lot to learn. There's a lot. And I'm learning every day, like, especially when it comes to like in ring stuff, right? Like different holds, different ways to grip an arm, different ways to manipulate a joint in order to get them to move in a direction that they might not want to go in, but you can torque somebody and you can make them move without necessarily hurting them. That's actually something I'm a really big fan of right now. There's, there's so many different things and you have to be able to open yourself up to the experience of learning from failure as well. 
him going away lets me know that me going at him and taking him to task for his mistakes mm-hmm. and him never showing up again lets me know that he probably had a little bit of issues taking criticism. And I need to deal with less people that can't take criticism mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I really do. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm I'm gonna be able to get a fucking ton more done. And I some of the young kids, man, that are in the school right now, they they have a really hard time. And I oftentimes have to put my hand on their shoulder, especially when we're going over like advanced grappling stuff. And I'm like, have you done this before? No. Then why are you beating yourself up for doing it when you haven't done it before? You know, like it's going to suck now, but then that's why we're here to make it better. Right. Um, But as far as um, the industry as a whole, I think that the manager role for a period of time, especially in the South, um, the South is full of huge overweight buddies right like mm-hmm. just like it's i got this i got this guy you know he gave me a ride to the show uh you know just like let him come ringside with me you know he's got a cane you know he can hit him in the back of the cane you know like it'll be good business like oh yeah yeah sure <laughs> you know <laughs> like and they, they just fucking roll with it right and it it went from being such an important role to just kind of be like, hey, I got a buddy, right? Like, and we're now past that age to where now there's hardly any, you know, managers. and it managers. And it's a shame, let alone valets, right? right? Valets are like non-existent in today's day and age too. And I mean, like, think about um, Baby Doll and Jim Cornette. You know, like they ended up having a beef with each other that was so great that they ended up having a match. And it was widely regarded as a very important moment. And even Beulah McGillicuddy versus Bill Alfonso. Right. Like an absolute just bloodbath. Bloodbath <laughs> on top of the fact is, is that despite the fact that they weren't trained wrestlers, they still had a very well-structured match. And right. it, w- it was incredible. And you also have Bill Alfonso, who before he was a manager, he was a referee. Yeah, you know? for a long time. <clears throat> yep. And so he's somebody that actually understands the, the nuances, man. Like he gets that aspect of it. So you have these people who, who knows, maybe in the next couple of years, we're going to end up seeing some more managers come out of the woodwork. I know that there's a gentleman that is a manager for Diamond Mine now in NXT. Oh, really? Whose name I can't remember, but everyone tells me that he's really good. Um, I know they had like Robert Stone or whatever that guy. He was managing girls. Yeah, Robert Stone was Robbie E. Right. And Robbie, once again, great wrestler. Right. Right. And now he's in that managerial role because that's what was available to him. And he took it and he's, he's doing pretty well in that role, right. you know? So I just think that, uh, I know Leo for, rush had his hand in there for a minute uh, doing a man uh, before he, I think like is him and Bobby <laughs> Lashley. Yeah. Yeah. He only started in, in NXT and then very shortly after that, he went up to be the manager on the main roster of Bobby Lashley. Yes. Um, which he did great. Yep. And then when it turned into actually him having to get into an in-ring match, he was able to hold his own because Leo Rush is pretty good. And he was very talented, not only in-ring, but on the stick. Like he could actually pull it off. Hello, Turnbuckle Boogies. This is James Mattern. I am walking in suburban Philadelphia. I'm surrounded by bugs and people who are bored out of their goddamn minds. But I'll tell you what people are excited about. Rampage on TNT. Not the debut episode. By the time you hear this, there could be a goddamn surprise. Who knows? We care about CM Punk on the second episode of Chicago. I hope he doesn't come out to cult of personality. No. Let's time to play head games. Play head games. 
with the WWE. He should come out to Ace of Spades. That's right. He should come out to a goddamn Motorhead song as a big F you to Hunter. Right up your ass. Also, he should come out with AJ Lee and she should be in a wedding dress and he should be in a tuxedo and they should have a they should have papers that they handed Tony Khan. Said, we've just delivered papers. These are our contracts. We signed and we just got remarried. Just go total meta F you right up your chooch. Right up your chooch to them. That's how we're doing it. God damn it. I should be a booker. I'm going to sign all the goddamn wrestlers who are out of work and pay them eight cents and I'm going to book all this shit. Turnbuckle boogies. Rampage, baby. CM Punk coming out to Motorhead. If it happens next week, everyone, Venmo me five bucks. I'm a goddamn genius, baby. Goodbye, Turnbuckle Boogies. The thing that uh, is unfortunate is that it doesn't matter what position that you're applying for in professional wrestling. It mm -hmm. all takes work and effort, you know? And if you have no social skills, if you have no public speaking skills, if you have no physical background, if you have nothing other than sitting on the couch, eating breakfast cereal, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have a long, hard road ahead of you, no matter what you want to do in the industry. Right. You know, this is not a, uh, this is not a couch potato social club, you know? Like there's actual work and effort that's involved. There's, you have to learn. Do you ever watch uh, any of the uh, tough enough seasons ever? I think that I only really watched the first two. That's all you need. I think remember the first two, you know, the first episode or two is when they're having just open tryouts and they show yeah. the, the highlight reel of all the big fat guys who just can't jump back and forth over a duffel bag. Yeah. You know, something that is one foot off the ground, uh, they can't they can't jump back and forth over it. Yep. Pretty and, uh <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. And it and it's sad too, because you know, when I entered the world of professional wrestling, I had a lot of limitations as well. And I had to work really hard, you know, to get to where I am. And you know, now my whole entire thing is is that when you see me now and imagine that I'm telling you all of these things now, and you look at me now and without understanding where I came from, like, it's almost like I'm looking in a mirror sometimes mm -hmm. like, and I have to have these conversations with people and I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe staying up till four o'clock in the morning, playing call of duty with your online buddies, isn't necessarily the thing that's going to help you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning make yourself some breakfast and hit the fucking gym. Right. This and is you telling your younger self. Yes. All right. Absolutely. You know, and how much time I spent feeling sorry for myself because I was disadvantaged with health issues, you know, like, and you know, I've met people with better excuses than me. And even I have some pretty good excuses and I, eventually you can hold on to those excuses and they're going to keep you right where you are, or you can work past them and you can get to where you want to be. Hopefully. Right. Um, Cause nothing is guaranteed. And I feel like it's, it's, it's really sad when people come in and, you know, Joe DeFalco, Joe DeFalco gives everyone a shot. And it's not just because he also wants to take their money. I've had the conversations with him especially when it comes to having to make a decision to cut people from the training program. Mm, um, this is something I'm interested in hearing about. This is some, you, you know, the average person doesn't get to hear about when someone's been training for so long and they just don't got it. And we, you know, you got to say, Hey, look, yeah. let's, let's part ways. Yeah. Cause we're not going to give you work no matter how long you stay here. Yeah. There was, there's been a few people that, okay we've had to have that conversation with, and <clears throat> once again, not going to name any names, but some of it come down from a uh, mental retention. Uh, they're not able to process the information that is being given to them. And then they end up becoming uh, at risk of hurting themselves or hurting somebody else, um, which is a really real thing. 
And then there's just some people that have really bad attitudes and they're unable to accept criticism and they push back, push back, push back. And then they always expect more Mm -hmm. despite being difficult to work with. And when you have these conversations, it always ends up having to be, be me giving reports to Joe DeFalco. If I ever have a bad day with a student, I'll typically reach out to Joe. I'm like, Hey, had a bad day with this specific person. And I handled the situation, but I'm watching them. And please be sure to tell the other trainers to pay attention to them as well. Because if this is a bad day or repeat behavior, we need to be privy to it because it can end up becoming problematic. And then it always ends up being the conversation with Joe beforehand when we draw the conclusion of like, okay, well, it's time to tell this person that they can't do this. And I remember the last time that that happened, Joe had just openly admitted to me, like, I really don't want to have to be the one to tell these people that they're not going to be able to do it. Right. It, it, It really, it really affects him in a way. And like I said, it's not just his pocketbook. You know, and there's been people that have taken the news pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's been other people that have taken the news and then go to a different promotion in town because there's four. Right. And they end up starting there. And then oftentimes I normally give a heads up to the other schools. Um, I, I'm in good standing with every promotion in town. Right. And I'll call them and give them like a, Hey, you know, like we just had to get this person out. Um, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do, but proceed with caution. You right. have to be aware that you might be taking on a little bit more than you might initially be anticipating. And ultimately <clears throat> there has not been one person that I have, uh, seen out of FSW that has made it in any other promotion. They all end up kind of fading away. Right. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Let's say in that fantasy scenario, I set up at the top of the show that uh, once again, me, <laughs> I've been there forever or uh, training forever, cutting the promos, doing the work, all that jazz. Um. When does when or even if does the transition ever happen? Is it a guarantee? Is it pay to play? What what what's going it, on there? No, it's absolutely pay to play. So you are a student until you get used on shows and you are still a student. Mm-hmm. And then later on down the line, there's a reevaluation of your pay cycle. Right. So and then that those conversations I don't have. And those conversations are ones that Joe DeFalco has. But for me, if it was my school, I would let you know, like, okay, well, this is what we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to put you on shows. You're still going to pay your dues for a period of time. And then we're going to evaluate you based upon your performance after a period of a few months. Mm -hmm. And then after that period of time, then it becomes a situation of, okay, well, now you are no longer technically a student. Now you're being utilized on the card. And does that mean a reduction of gym dues? Does that mean that you end up being put on the payroll? Um, I would probably reduce gym dues first because we have to keep the lights on. Right. So ideally, let's say that your tuition was $300 a month. Tell you what, you're a hundred dollars a month for now. And then we'll revisit this. We'll revisit this conversation in the next couple months. Are you fans in this area well aware of the fact that a young man from down in neighboring Milwaukee, a very impressive athlete in the Olympics, I'm talking about Lorenz Susi, Bobby Heenan, you've got a big smile on your face tonight. Impressive in the Olympics. Who cares about watching a bunch of children wrestle? Who cares about the Olympics? Oh, it's a great thing for the country, but who cares about Lorenz Susi? That's his name? Lorenz Susi. Can you, you imagine? Nine months they had to come up with another name, and that's the best they could do. Well, rent. That's the most important thing they could come up with in nine months. Shows you the mentality of his parents. Of course, he went to the University of Wisconsin, right? In Madison. Don't, don't take a whole lot to get in there. I guess you have to be able to 
the entrance exam, you have to be able to write your name in three different colors of crayon. I could care less your wrestling ability. I could care about your amateur background. You're in the ring now with a professional. I'm going to go behind that man so much, he's going to think he's stuck in a revolving door. I'm going to take him down, take him around, show him the town. I'm going to reverse neck snap his neck. I'm going to dislocate both his shoulders. Then I might just paintbrush until my hands are swollen shut. But another good news for you and everybody else. I have signed. I went to Japan in July. I was there the whole month. Aware of that? I'm not aware of what you're aware of. I'm aware of my business. I went to Japan in July and I signed the most lucrative contract for Nick Bockwinkle in the history of professional wrestling for any world champion. He's going to defend his title in Germany and he's going to defend his title in Japan. And I pulled it off. That's why I'm manager of the year four times in a row. And high flyers, you can run, but there's no place to hide. You're running, like, you're running now like rats. The water level's coming up to your bellies, and you got no place to hide. Well, here's, here's, here's another question. Does this get uh, blown by, let's say, two people? There's going to be a tag team, and uh, such and such promoter thinks that uh, they could benefit from this guy who's been training to be a quote-unquote manager. Does this get thrown by these two people? It does. Like, it, it, it's a situation. Uh, Primo Pulpo is managing Creature Feature mm -hmm. right now, and Creature Feature is the tag team of Adriel Noctis and Lazarus, <clears throat> um, two of my favorite strapping young lads. Well, three of them, because I'm a big fan of Primo as well. And <clears throat> that's the, well, you know, this is what we have for you. And that conversation happens with all three people involved because then at that point it's up to those three people to start conversating with each other in order to like, okay, well, this is the role that we've been given. We now need to take the ball and run. So what are we going to do in a collaborative effort to make this work? Right. Does it ever, so, uh, it doesn't ever get kicked back. Like, no, we don't want a manager. Sometimes it absolutely does. Um, right. There's actually because look, there's not a whole lot of managers in the world right now, right? You know? <laughs> so, and it's probably perhaps because maybe the wrestlers think that they don't need it, or yeah, whatever. so there, there's unfortunately uh, some people and places that I wish that I was that have done shows for FSW and have been told, Hey, we're going to give you a manager tonight. And no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at the end of the day, uh, the promoter is your boss. Right. If I, if I go in tomorrow and Joe DeFalco sits me down and is like, okay, well, Jacob Austin young and cutthroat Cody Hancock, we're thinking about turning you guys heel. Um, we've got this new up and coming manager, Hollywood, Timothy Styles. <laughs> uh, your first, I know your first reaction, but we're like uh, tough guys and we're death proof. What's the right. Hollywood guy going to do? Right. Well, my first reaction, honestly, mm -hmm. is all right, because I, I have been given so many situations in my professional wrestling career that have made absolutely zero fucking sense right zero sense right and to me the mark of me being a professional is don't worry boss i'll make it work sure. and you can find a way to make anything work and if you don't find a way to make it work it's just lack of effort you know and no, no, there's still the red rooster debate hmm. it's a true statement Buddy, it's a true statement. I don't know one human being if someone were to be like, "Hey, you're the Red Rooster." God damn it! Yep, <laughs> that would be like, I, I to be a fly on the wall in that room with Terry Taylor, just like, what in the fuck? Well, <laughs> you're gonna dye your hair and uh, oh my god, it's a it's a it's a different day and age, right? And even is it? I think this stuff still goes on today. It still goes on, but not to that extreme. Remember back then, like you went from Red Rooster and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to Duke the Dumpster Drossy, mm -hmm. Repo Man, Doink the Clown. Like, <clears throat> you know, like there's some gimmicks that uh, some people choose right. that gimmick. Some people want to be that person. Right. And if they want to be that person, I commend them. Because it's a surefire way to get put on a wrestling card. Um, 
there it, it, it's going to get you there. And if that works for you and if the shoe fits, go for it. I mean, unfortunately, like, that kind of thing also has long term effects. People still sometimes, call Ray Wyatt fucking Husky Harris. Yeah, sometimes it does have long term effects, but I do think that it's a mark of a professional to being to being able to do the best with what's given to them. I guess, but think of it like this. Terry Taylor was a great wrestler. Yes. Terry Taylor was a great wrestler. He will forever be remembered as. Right. Well, I mean, (laughs) you want to talk about probably the most tragic case of great wrestler, bad gimmick was probably Nick Dinsmore. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah. Good God. And it's it's really sad because you are he can't ever I mean he'll never work a big big money program ever again. No. And I, there have been situations that I've had to turn down before. Uh like I don't know if I mentioned on the air before, but Joe DeFalco wanted to do a cancer angle with me. You have mentioned. <clears throat> there we go. So I turned that down because I've actually had a fucking cancer scare before. Why why big idea? What's that? What was his big idea? The big idea was because I lost a bunch of weight mm-hmm. and then oh I my was God. <laughs> yep. And instead of like rewarding me for my uh, achievement and physical prowess, mm-hmm. uh, it was more along the lines of like, oh, wow, he lost so much weight. He looks like he's sick. So right. it could have been, buddy, it could have been worse because you could have been oh, yeah. like, Hey, I got this great gimmick idea. Like, all right, boss, what is it? Uh, you're HIV positive. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And that, it could have been a lot worse. You're right. Oh but my God. The idea was for me to, uh, announce the bad news during a promo. Mm. Like, you know, like I know that you can all see that, uh, I've gone through a rapid weight loss and uh, I'm losing my hair. And unfortunately it's because I'm going through chemotherapy and uh, I might not have much longer to do this, but there's only one thing that I have to prove to myself and my grandfather. Like this is all from Joe. And I was going to call Jack Manley out for a match for the no limits title. And then, were you sitting with your mouth open listening to this? Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then and you want the me match, to use cancer, a thing that yeah. everyone knows someone who's died from to, yeah. get, a ba- to get some baby face fire. Whoa. Well, and but the, the swerve was supposed to be <clears throat> the swerve was is that Jack Manley was going to have me put away. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was going to feel so bad about it. And he was going to let his guard down for a second. Then I was going to hook a quick pin on him and like hold his tights for the three count. Right. And then I after that, yep, yep, absolutely. I just been yeah. eating broccoli, <laughs> which is exactly what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? And that broccoli could have such long-term effects on weight loss. Um, but no, man, like, and I, I had to tell him no. And the reason I had to tell him no was because I had a cancer scare when I was young. Is that the only and reason? How about it's a fucking tacky, terrible idea for starters? Faceless, yeah. But there's a there, professional wrestling's always been plagued with tacky, terrible ideas. Yeah, but you right? know what? I think we can do better as an industry. I say we, but I we can. You guys can do better as an industry with leaving some of these sort of bad ideas behind. I think a lot of that shit was thought up by people who were either out of good ideas or people who were just full of bad ideas. Honestly. Right. And that's something that I feel like is, it is unfortunate Mm -hmm. because there are some really bad ideas. And I feel like there's always pushback when you tell somebody who has the idea, who thinks it's really good. It's really bad. Right. You know, because once again, we live in a world where people are incapable of uh, taking any form of feedback when it comes to saying like, Hey, that is a stinker. Let's not do that. You know? And it's, and I'm glad that I pushed that back because it, it wasn't, it wasn't in good faith uh, for the people that have gone through situations like that or anything like that. I think there's, there's other ways to get people mad at you for something. 
Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by TJ Fogarty and Cody Hancock with music and web production by Timothy Stiles. If you're interested in booking or information on Cutthroat Cody, please go to cutthroatcody.com and follow us on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie. See you next Monday. <laughs>